Oh my gosh, that song gets me every time. It's very, it's very good. Okay, while we're talking about the song, shout out to my friend Julius Wilder who wrote and produced the song for CultureCast. Happy New Year, yes. 2024. Oh my God. Happy CultureCast Day to y'all who are sitting here in the LinkedIn Live land and or Twitter and or YouTube um, participating live on all of this. And I just have to say, welcome, 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 Christopher Bylone, the global head of belonging at Krispy Kreme. Yes, thank you, Marissa. I mean, that's just so much and so good yeah. when I say that. Like, the global head of belonging, that's one thing. Like, who wouldn't want to be in that role? And who wouldn't want to be at a company that has a belonging leader like Krispy Kreme? Yeah. Right? Well, yeah. I. You know, when I joined Krispy Kreme, I joined for a couple of reasons. One, wanted to be in a consumer-facing brand. Yeah. Uh, being, I'd never really thought about it as the iconic brand until I was joining onboarding. Uh, but then when we really were talking about what my role was going to be and how we were going to position this within the organization, uh, when I started, it was the head of diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging. Oh, wow. That's a mouthful and it, very corporate. <laughs> I mean, yes, right? Yes. Okay. So we had some really, like, with in the first, like, days that I was there, the conversation was, what are we trying to solve for? Right. And we said we were trying to solve for belonging. So I said, well, why don't we lead with belonging? Love it. And then the question was asked, can we stop at belonging? Um. And I took a pause for a second and said, well, I think for my title, yeah. right, to kind of keep it short and sweet and to the point, head of belonging, cool. However, because this is a new thing for Krispy Kreme, right? Yeah. I'm the first person in the chair, yep. uh, which is a privilege and an honor of itself. Amazing. Um, we have a lot of work to do in building inclusive leaders diversifying our organizations, right. making sure that we have uh, equitable policies and practices, and also making sure that we have an accessible organization for all people. So I didn't want to lose those things. Right. So even when you kind of see on my in my email or my on my LinkedIn profile, it'll say global head of belonging, inclusion, diversity, equity, and accessibility, because I don't want people to lose sight of all yeah. of the other things we need to do that makes belonging belonging i hear you i'm gonna i'm gonna make a comment on that but before that i'm gonna do a couple shout outs yes. and then we'll just jump right into that briefly before we really talk about who is christopher so um i think some of you may have seen this background before we are coming to you live from music row in nashville tennessee at the hideout and actually this is one of the rooms it's a full-on recording studio in fact there's a band recording yeah. right now in the other recording studio. This was Waylon Jennings' home. So the house that we walked into and we walked downstairs, yes. he built out this whole recording wow. studio. So we are sitting here in a historic area mm. and specifically a studio. That was Waylon Jennings. So uh, a big nod to our friends in the Ville in Nashville. Um, so the hideout, thank you so much for having us. Secondly, I know that um, on LinkedIn Live specifically, look, you can see it now. There's some comments that are popping up. So if you <laughs> see us looking at you and at each other, it's because we want to make sure we're paying attention to 
what y'all are saying. Look at me with my Nashville accent. Check that out. Um, what y'all are saying on what Christopher is saying. And so while my even with my glasses, I can't see who's saying it. We'll at least try and look at the comments. Yes. And address them as we can. If not, we so appreciate all the goodness and love that you are sending in the comments. So thank you. Please get in there. It's so funny that afterwards when people say, well, I was there live. And I'm like, well, why didn't you say something like comment? We love seeing that. Um, and so that's another shout out. And um, and then, then third, again, reminding everyone that if you're just joining us now, we've got Christopher Bylone, the global head of belonging for Krispy Kreme. Yeah. So um, amazing. Thank you for having me. Oh, my gosh. Thank you for being here. And as I said this when we thought we were going to do this at the end of last year, but I think it's actually even a better way to start off the new year. Who wouldn't want to start off the year with a leader who is representing a brand that's all about touching and enhancing the lives of people through the joy that is Krispy Kreme. Yeah, and I think, you know, before we even yeah. uh, jump into the, the bigger conversation, I think we also need to give a shout out to our Krispy Kremers who are working in our shops. Oh my goodness. We were there this morning. That's right. Seeing them in action, which was really good. So our good friend, Glenn, the GM at our Thompson Lane store. Glenn, who's been there for five years. Yeah, and then we have um, Rustin. Rustin, who is the district manager, who is been here 23 years yeah i think in april he'll be coming up yeah. to 23 years and there were many employees there who are you know double digit yes folks which... actually there were a couple of other they were packing donuts right now so i think what most people don't know about like it's not just a donut shop this is not your father's krispy kreme no this is like it's a direct day a deliver fresh daily Yes. To all these different points of access. Yes. And what I learned from Glenn today is that that one shop that we were at on Thompson Lane, so thank you for hosting us this morning, delivers to 60 different points of access. Yeah. 2,000 dozen donuts a day. I mean. Minimal. Right? And some days they're up to 3,000 dozen. That's so amazing. That's just yeah. impressive. I yeah. mean, to think about the num all those donuts need to be touched by hand right. by a Krispy Kremer decorated boxed up and shipped out all of those individuals are vital to the success of our organization you're and right one of the reasons why my role is created is to make sure that each one of those people know not feel that they belong but yeah. know that they belong i agree and actually you're right i mean the, the whole crispy creamer crew shout out to all of you as well it was all going on i mean yeah. It was hot now, right? Like oh, the yeah. donuts were coming off the line and there were customers in there getting it hot now. And then um, I saw them decorating the Biscoff donuts. Yeah. Like if you all don't know, like the the uh, limited time offer that's happening right now is Biscoff. Yes. A little crazy. Oh, my God. Right? So we saw them doing that and we saw them like in the back packing the donuts. So for those of you who go, you know, what, Marisa, there's not enough Krispy Kremes in the world. Like, I have to drive, or I might go to my Walmart or to my Kroger to find Krispy Kreme. Speaking of that, we were traveling through the Las Vegas terminal yesterday, my husband and I, Michael. Mm -hmm. And, of course, we popped into one of those kiosks and picked up our three OG donuts and one chocolate ring mm. at 6.45 a.m. Because that's awesome. what you need. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. Um, so let's jump into you. Before we get into 
all this goodness. I know we told everyone we are going to talk about this groundbreaking B-Suite responsibility report that I know you and Dean and others have had a hand in creating at Krispy Kreme. I always love talking about who you are. So before we get into, which we already know, you are the global head of belonging. But let, who's Christopher? Like, tell us about where you grew up. And like, and I know you'd mentioned to me, hey, here are some topics that might come up. Let's talk about you and who you are and why you are, right? What led you to this pathway of becoming this guru in belonging, diversity, equity, and access? Yeah, I, you know, everybody has a very interesting life journey, right? Um, and mine is probably no different uh, in the interest. Um, I started on a, working on my family farm in oh, wow. South Jersey. Yeah. I did not know that. <laughs> I have my bachelor's degree in agriculture science from Rutgers. Okay. I can actually see the connection, but I'll, I'm going to, I'm going to listen. Go so, ahead. So yeah, I look, I grew up, uh, if you, if you have ever received Jersey produce and it says Jersey fresh. Yeah. My grandfather created that. No way. Yes. Charles Bylone. So uh, have a long history and connection to agriculture. And I uh, was the only grandson uh, who was interested in taking it over. My dad became the sole proprietor of the farm. Uh, and that's what I thought my life's journey was going to be. Oh, wow. Right? Yeah. You know, when you're in a family business, you don't necessarily completely understand the pressure that's on you to continue it. Sure. Uh, and I... At the time, I didn't necessarily feel the pressure. It was something I loved. You know, uh, my husband and I keep talking about buying a farm again. Amazing. Because that's just who we are as individuals. Uh, and But then when I was in college, um, the farm went out of business. So this was uh, the early 2000s. Okay. And there was just a lot of natural disasters that happened in uh, New Jersey. And a lot of farmers just could not recover. And we were one of those. And so the farm went out of business. Um, I thought I was going to go to be one of those agricultural agents that worked for the land-grant university. And my goal was to save the family farmer. Uh, while I was in what, but what I realized was uh, I also kind of came into my own, right? Mm -hmm. I, I had come out as a gay man, you know, a few years before that. But what I realized was being an out gay man in agriculture wasn't going to work. Really? It Say just... more about that. Uh, so in my so end of my so I did college in six years. Um, it, when I was in my fifth year, we had one of our senior projects and we had to the class was to go out to a farm. They give you a problem. You come back to the classroom and yeah. you have to figure out and give them a solution. And when we would go and present to the farmer, I would be the one that would do the presenting because I was, you know, good with PowerPoint and public speaking. But when it came time for Q&A, I was never asked a question. That's interesting. All my other classmates were. And what I Not realized cool. was that I was rather flamboyant in college. Okay. You know, the flame was on a little on a little too high. <laughs> okay. Um, and so, you know, I just realized that you know, I asked myself, do I really want to be a martyr in yeah. this industry? 
And a dean of mine said, you know, Christopher, have you ever thought about going into student affairs and student activities? And I was like, well, that's a really interesting concept. And so that was a my first, I feel my first career shift, yeah. right? You know, I left the agriculture world and said, okay, I'm going to dive in completely into student affairs, went and got my master's at Eastern Michigan University um, and worked for a couple years uh, in higher ed and then um, the economy crash in 2008, 2009, um, I was working at small private colleges and, you know, the endowment started to dry up and positions started to go away and there were layoffs. And I just happened to be part of in that round. Interestingly enough, if you look at, uh, friends of mine who graduated between, uh, 2007 and 2009 from higher ed programs, 75% of us are no longer in the field. Okay. Because just of the timing of the, uh, when there was just a downturn, yeah. there was just no jobs, so we just all left. Yeah. And so that's when I made the transition uh, into um, HR. And I always had a knack for the underdog, right? Making right. sure that we had equitable. Why is that? Um, well, I think one being a gay man, okay. seeing that, um, my mom's a lesbian. Okay. Uh, so seeing, you know, grew up in the Catholic church. Oh um, boy. Right. <laughs> uh, let's just keep adding it on here. Um, uh, and so also the other thing, uh, when I was very young, um, around seven or eight on the farm, um, we are the workers that came to work on the farm came from Puerto Rico. Okay. And they lived uh, in a house called the labor camp. Uh, and every Friday they would in the evening, it would be time for us to bring them their paycheck. Yeah. And they would be making a big meal and they would always invite us in Amazing. to dinner. Yes. And I can remember being this, seven-year-olds who didn't un really understand what was going on because it was always like, well, those are the workers and we live over here. And there was a divide. And I could remember one day I refused to go in. Oh, you didn't want to go into the meal? I didn't want to go in. Oh, okay. And, um, and I was like, well, we eat over there, right? Interesting. And I can remember my grandfather saying to us, the reason why we can eat is because of them. So you are going to have a meal with them and they are not beneath you. They, and so to me, that was my first awakening to being anti-racist. Oh, my gosh. I love that. And right. By the way, I feel like every leader that I've had the chance to connect with on a culture cast, there is an epiphany that occurs between the ages of six and ten, you know, that stays with them for the rest of their life. And so I'm. Excited, first of all, for Grandpa Bylone. Get it. I mean, he's like, no, get in there. That's the reason why we are able to live is because they make that happen. Yes. Um, and then, too, for you to acknowledge that, you know, at seven and carry that with you. Yeah. And so, it, yeah, to me, it was it was, you know, we are all here for the same reason. That's right. You know, we may look very different from each other. We may have completely different backgrounds. We may have completely different roles in the organization, mm -hmm. but we're all on the same team. 
And if I think back to the root of why I do this work, it goes mm. back to that. I love that. Right. You know, in high school, I was the one who was advocating for, you know, the prices of the prom tickets to, you know, um, you know how they would say if you buy two tickets, if you're a couple, yeah. you get a reduced rate. And I could remember these two guys who were definitely not in a romantic relationship, but they said, well, we're buying tickets together. We're going as friends. And the high school said, well, you don't get the reduced rate. You're, you're not a couple. And I said, well, what difference does it make? It, yeah, it doesn't. Right? Right. You're, they're buying the tickets together. Yeah. What's the difference? Why do you get to say who was a couple and who was That's not? That's right. So those little things, right, that all add up to going back to how are we creating an equitable society? I love that. Um, is why I do this work. Yep. I think so. I think... Um... You know, I had the chance to be part of a focus group. I want to say this was like eight years ago with Jim Collins. You know, he wrote Good to Great. And um, and it was a focus group, I think, for something he was researching. And the thesis was that while we all might make pivots and career changes, that it's almost like reinventing yourself every time. Um, but at your core, you're always going to be that. And so what I mean by that is, I fear, feel very similar to you. I think about my entire life, I have been observing human beings for as far back as I can remember. A little different story. My mom and dad were immigrants. I'm always proud to say I'm first generation American. We spoke three languages inside the house. And then it was time to go to school, we'll speak English only. Because my parents wanted to make sure we were treated fairly, you know, and consistently, equitably as the other students. And just even having that and watching. My parents who were immigrants and my mom like bringing her family in from the Philippines and then they had to find their way. Um, I carry that with me. You know, the same thing in high school was always an advocate for um, making this the best experience possible for the student body, which is why my parents said get good grades. And the only way I did that was student body. Right. So student government track and cross country. Every club I joined, I was a cheerleader, et cetera. But fast forward, I think about all the things around people and the experience for people. And to your point, like this feeling of the underdog and acknowledging that, you know, it's personal to me. It's like my family story. And that when relatives would come over here, and, the, and although they were professionals, the only companies that would hire them were fast food and retail companies. Yeah. And they had to make their way up. Um, but I do want to acknowledge this whole roots, no pun intended, if I think about your background growing up on a farm and then studying agriculture and the fact that, you know, and thank you for sharing some personal insights around why you are such a champion for belonging and equity and access and diversity is, it's not a surprise to me. So you think about the word cultivate, right? Mm -hmm. And you think about that, the organic nature of farming and um, you think about people as well and what do you do to cultivate, you know, them so that they can thrive in the world. You know, it's not only the plants and the animals that are on the farm. And, you know, you share the story about the laborers, the Puerto Ricans living on the farm. Like, what do you do to cultivate them so that they can be their best and that they can yep. thrive? So not at all a surprise to me as you share that story on you know how you ended up doing what you're doing now and being a champion for um belonging and 
actually, and, and we'll jump into Krispy Kreme, kind of the intro when we were talking about your title. You know, I love that you actually landed with head of global head of belonging, right? And the rest, diversity, equity, inclusion, access, et cetera. You know, I think you nailed the problem to solve, and I'm going to nerd for a minute. Oh, I'm going to nerd all the time, nerd <laughs> out. But I always believe that once you get everyone aligned on the problem, right? And the problem here is how do we create belonging? How does that, what does belonging look like? All the other things are actually outcomes or solutions. Once people all get aligned on that, then you will get a lot of traction on what it is that you're trying to do, right? Because people will buy into that. Yeah, there's, you know, the, there's, you, we know that there's a debate right now about what diversity, equity, inclusion should be in our society, right? There's laws being passed, banning yes. it. Uh, right. You know, people are talking about, should we be doing this? The, the past week, there's been several posts on uh, LinkedIn from different DEI leaders talking about, oh, I don't want to use the term DEI anymore, yeah. right? I'm just going to say diversity, equity, inclusion. Um, and uh, there's, uh, there's a really uh, great author and practitioner at the moment, um, Lily Zhang. Uh, they wrote the book uh, Deconstructing DEI mm -hmm. and Reconstructing DEI, yeah. which I'm wor currently working on that workbook. Uh, definitely a lifelong learner. But uh, they just posted today about how they want to make sure that um, practitioners are not shying away from the term DEI right? because we don't shy away from it because you're afraid, right? Lean into it. Absolutely. Right? DEI is not the thing that we do. It's the outcome. That's right. right. That's, that's what, right. And, and that's one of the reasons why I talk about belonging the way I do um, is because belonging is the product of what I consider the formula of inclusion diversity, equity, and accessibility. It's creating inclusive leaders. It's diversifying the organizations. It's equitable policies and practices and making sure that we have organizations that is accessible for all people, no matter where they are on the uh, continuum of human experiences. I love that. And actually, you have created a formula. I did. You actually sign off with that, I right? Do. A lot, yes. So can you just remind people, you just walked through the formula quickly, but let's put quotes around it so people can remember this yeah so belonging equals inclusion times diversity plus uh equity to the power of accessibility oh my gosh that's the math major in me looking at all the symbols <laughs> um I, I love that and actually your comment too on look it's been a conversation it feels like it always becomes fresh at the start of every year so as we all know, and I know there's many of you who are on listening to this call who are chief diversity officers at other global companies, and um, and in 2020, all of a sudden it was, you know, on fleek, right? Yes. Is that even, is it on fleek to say on fleek? I don't know. Anyway, it was a trend. It was a trend. And like you know, CEOs were coming back from the business roundtable, and they all had to hire or appoint a chief diversity officer reporting in directly to them, right? Yep. And it was um, obvious. And it was like, let's hire someone or appoint someone who's also diverse into that role. And then um, we lived through that with the global pandemic and civil and social unrest. And then, you know, we were coming out of the fog at the end of 2021. 
2022, and then we started to hear a lot of noise, right? Beginning of 2023. I can't believe it's 2024. I know. But it feels like at the start of every year, there's this big debate on what is DE&I and should it even exist. And companies that have invested in it, they're like, well, we no longer, we're, now it's the year of efficiency, which was last year for one company specifically, and then everyone followed suit, especially in tech, and the resources they're cutting. But I think about, um, to your point, it's an outcome. And you know, you and I were at the same Inclusion 23 conference for Sherm back in October. You know, I believe in this and that I get why some people are saying I'm never going to say DE&I again. I think it's an outcome. I think if companies really think about it from a strategy standpoint, right, and you go back to your company purpose and your values, and if it's rooted there, and if it's if the principles of belonging slash your formula are rooted in the actual strategy of the company, those outcomes will actually come, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and, and and why are you doing this work? Right. Right. Why why do you have these roles? Um, is it performative? Um, or are you actually trying to create substantive change? Uh, and I think twenty twenty two was the year where organizations were showing their true colors on if they were going to be that they were doing performative DEI work. Right. Or were they making substantive change? Right. You know, I made a career shift. Okay. Um, you know, I changed organizations. I joined Krispy Kreme in May of 2023. Uh, I left my former employer in October of 2022. Um, it was the right time for me to go. I sure. Just, you know, we were all experiencing burnout from the pandemic and, and other things. And so just thankfully, I was in a position, my husband and I, to pr- be privileged enough to take a career break. As you um, should. Right. And then, you know, kind of just asking myself, what did I want to be doing, right? I knew I still wanted to do this work, uh, but where did I want to do it and how did I want to do it? Um, and I was very confident and uh, with myself to say, I'm not going to do performative DEI work. Um, and if I felt I was interviewing for a role that I was going to go do performative DEI work, I would remove myself as a candidate. Yeah. Um, and I did. There were multiple times when it was a really good opportunity financially. Sure. Right? Could probably be a really awesome named company to go work for. But the work that they were asking to be done was not what I wanted to do. Yeah, it's check the box. It's check the box. Window dressing. Uh, right. And so coming, you know, very very, very upfront with Terry in the process, who's the chief people officer at Krispy Kreme. Who's amazing. Who is amazing. I love her. Love yeah. her. Not just saying it because we're on a podcast. Yeah, well, but I actually love everyone at Krispy Kreme. Everyone's we do. amazing. Anyway. Um, but very, very upfront to say, hire me because you want somebody who's going to come in to change your policy, your practice, and your process around diversity, equity, inclusion. The don't hire me just to run your ERGs or to put on International Women's Day or Black History Month or Pride. Yes, we need to do all those things, right? There is some performative work that needs to be done in this space. But that's kind of an outcome of the work of policy, practice, and process. That's amazing. 
And by the way, ERGs, for those of you who are not in the diversity work, is an acronym for employee resource groups. Yes. And um, employees come together who have a common interest and passion for that. And I think the beauty of employee resource groups is that they can serve as, um, I'd say, a good focus group for business initiatives. Yes. Right? If the business is trying to grow in a certain area, go to these different um, employee resource groups to get their feedback and perspective on what it is you're trying to accomplish. Yeah. And, and, and at yeah. Krispy Kreme, we call them assorted originals. I love that. Again. Again with the Krispy Kremes. Um, there's so many darn acronyms. But let's let's dig into this responsibility report. Yes. All right? which is also a strategy for the company. Yes. But it's this B-suite responsibility report. And again, I'm using the word love a lot because I just tend to. But what I love about Krispy Kreme is that, look, I know Josh is now the new CEO. Yes. Mike was just the outgoing CEO. And I love that he had love letters, right? Yes. To the employees. And so you think about this B-suite report how it is about loving our Krispy Kremers, loving our community, loving our planet. Can you just say more about like what is this report for those who are not familiar with it and why is it? Like why was it created? And I know that Bodane is out there yes. who I had the chance to actually see his amazing presentation on uh, the B-Suite Responsibility Report. But for everyone else who's like tuning in, who are just dying to know, yeah, say I more about it. I also just need to give out a, a shout out to Eloise Hale oh, as well. Oh, Eloise as well. You know, so yes. if you if you really think about Bo, Eloise, and I are really the kind of the three legs to the to the ESG uh, stool. Yeah. At Krispy Kreme, so um, would Bo was our leader, right? If you yeah. think about it, uh, and you know, but we all we all played a pivotal part. I think for us, this is the. Um, putting the flag in the sand, right? We're, Got it. we're saying, you know, this is what we are committing ourselves to. And this is the type of organization we want people to know ourselves for. Um, you know, Bo, Eloise, and I were all hired in 2023. Oh, wow. That's right. So this is, this is a lot of new space for Krispy Kreme okay. in a strategic way, right? There have been people who have been working on this for years and in other markets, you know, thinking about um, the great work that was being done in the UK around um, greenhouse gas emissions and, uh, you know, Mexico working on uh, sustain other sustainability issues, um, waste initiatives in Australia and the UK. So, this has been d being done in pockets, but now what we have done is we're bringing it together yeah. in a strategic way that we're all moving together. Makes total sense. Right? You know, it's not several buses driving down different yeah. highways, right? We're all bring we're all trying to get on the same bus, right? Uh, and, and move us together down a path so that we're all consistent in the approach, you know, making sure that we all have one goal where the synergies, but also giving the markets the freedom yeah. for them to do what feels right for them. But for us, this the this B suite responsibility report is our flag in this, you know, we're drawing the line in the sand and saying this is who we are as a company and this is where we intend to go. I love it. Yeah. And so the three parts to it, and by the way, ESG, another terminology, which is um, an acronym for environmental social 
and governance. Yes. Also became a huge trend. I think back in 2020, having been a chief people officer at publicly traded companies, a lot of investors, especially when they're buying stock in your company, really want to see that you're tuned in to being a responsible organization environmentally, right, socially. And then there's the whole governance side, which is as a publicly traded company, making sure that you're you know, being ethical, you, being and you're ethical, exactly. Paying our taxes, right? And, you know, so we at, at Krispy Kreme, it's loving our people, loving our communities, and loving our planet, right? Those are really the three big pillars uh, of our B Suite strategy that we have. And so, ideas around just one idea or two that people, if they were to pick up the report, which you can, just go onto the KrispyKreme.com website, hit on investors, um, and then. Under there, you can see the PDF, download the report. Um, but what's an example of like a commitment to loving our people in the, you know, in as, as people will read about it? So I think w- one of the commitments that I'm actually really proud about is that we talk about that um, we, we only want to hire our general managers internally. That's amazing. Right. So yeah. we, d- we have a goal that we need to have a 100% internal promotion into our general managers who run our shops. But we also want to make sure that they're diverse. Yeah. Right? We need to make sure so it's 50% women at GM level and above. Right? And so that we have work to do. That's huge. Right? But that's a commitment that we have put out there. And so now we're going to be able to track that, right? To report on that and hold ourselves accountable. And if things don't go the way that we hope then we're going to have to do some soul searching and say what are, what do we need to do differently to get to reach that goal but i think we have uh the right plan the right people in place the right commitments um you know we've mentioned a couple times that we've had a change in a ceo yeah and josh has stepped in um one of the things that i i i found very powerful over the last couple months so uh, before I knew that this change was coming, because, <laughs> um, uh, of course, I found out when everybody else did. Um, uh, as you should. As, as we should. CEO succession, right? <laughs> right. Um, but uh, the – I say that in jest. Um, I was having conversations with Terry um, and Josh uh, about how we were going to build the belonging program. Yeah. And one of the things that I wanted to see happen was um, evolve the DEI council that we had at Krispy Kreme and evolve it to a global belonging steering committee. Love it. And one of the things I asked for was that Josh would be the co-chair with me. I made that request when he was sitting as the CEO, the chief operating officer. Now, we know that these plans for CEO succession is happens a lot longer oh, than yeah. right there's at least a year plus timeline right, right? yeah so um when the change happened when the change was announced that josh was going to be stepping into this the ceo role i went to terry and said you know okay so do we need to have a conversation about who's going to chair the global steering the global belonging steering committee and she said no i said oh she said when you made the request we knew that josh was going to become the ceo yes Right. Yeah. And so for me, 
I actually I had to take a little bit of a set back, seat, you know, sat back in my seat a little bit because I, that was powerful to me, right? That the leaders of my organization were making decisions to ensure that the tone from the top, yes, right, uh, was going to be set appropriately and boldly, right? So we we're now going to be in the process of building out uh, the global steering committee over this next couple months. And Josh is going to be co-chair with me, right? So the CEO is going to be co-chair of our Global Belonging uh, Steering Committee. That's huge. It's a big deal, and it says a lot about this culture. You know, I think you've heard me say this. I say this all the time, that culture is a reflection of leadership. Yes. And so who else but the very top, right? Although Josh would hate that we're even saying that because he's yeah. so humble well, and, and he's like, it's like that inverted pyramid, right? Where he is all about supporting the people. It's not about the CEO. No. Yeah. But, but, but when you think about the, how this work needs to be done and where the responsibility lies, yes. right? It, it comes to the CEO seat. And so for that decision to be made, um, spoke volumes to me and reaffirmed for me that I was in the right role at the right organization. So excellent. And I love this idea, too, of gender parity. Yes. At every level in the organization. And I know that in the short time that I've been associated with Krispy Kreme, that I've seen that movement happen at, you know, at uh, the leadership levels, you know, the organization as well. So... I think that's amazing. It is. It is. We have a lot of work to do. Yeah, I know. Um, but I, th- I think there have been some really good decisions that have been made in the recent past. Uh, and we just need to make sure that we can continue to replicate them. Yeah. Um, you know, and so for me, it's but it's not just about the having the right number of women in, you know, having 50 yeah. percent women. But it's also making sure that we're actually paying people fairly. I and love equitably, that. Right. It's, um, you know, and, and not just from a gender standpoint, but from a race, ethnicity standpoint, sure, from a disability right. standpoint, you know, so it's it's about making sure that people can, you know, be able to live. That's right. It's pay equity at every level. Yes. And it is about um, really closing that gap between I'm just going to say minimum wage and living wage yep. for people so that they can also live their lives. Um, you know, when you talk about processes, programs, and systems, and ensuring that you apply the belonging formula to it, one thing that I do love about Krispy Kreme, and it's part of how leadership has kind of led performance, mm-hmm. right? Which is um, the outgoing CEO and leaders who are part of the leadership team talk to the Krispy Kremers about performance in a way where it's about goals and dreams and about love and tough love. Mm-hmm. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? I think that's just, that's genius. <laughs> yeah. I, um, so for me, I think, you know, it's the compass. Yeah. Right. You know, you, you can't have love without tough love. That's right. Right. You can't have dreaming without getting stuff done. Yeah. Right. And so you have to find that balance. And so there's going to be a lot of times when you're in the dream space. Yeah. And you should be. But then there's definitely going to be times and a lot of times you just need to be in the get stuff done space. Yeah. Um, 
you know, so for me, I think that's, uh, that has been really powerful for me as I've been thinking yeah. about how we put our belonging program together is how do we set the North Star yep. for where we want people to go? But then also how do we hold them accountable, right? I want to, you know, there's that carrot in the stick analogy, yeah. you know, love, tough love, uh, you know, you can look at it a couple different ways. But for me, it's about putting out the aspirational journey we want people to be on, right? We want people to be inclusive leaders. That's right. However, we also need to make sure that we have processes in place that if leaders choose not to be inclusive, that we can hold them accountable. I hear you. Yeah. Um, however, I'm hoping that people will come along this journey willingly. Yeah. Uh, because it's going to make it easier for everyone. But we have to have the accountability process yeah, in place as well. I agree. And I think uh, something as simple as goals and dreams and love and tough love, I think that is inclusivity in action. And what I mean by that is let's just apply this to um, a performance development conversation, a one-on-one -on -one, right, between employee and her or his manager. And they're sitting down, and if it's hopefully not just one time a year, I'm, again, being a nerd again, but like sitting down with your manager and the manager sitting down with you who supports you, talking about, all right, what are your goals, right, and, and getting alignment because we're all here to make sure the company is successful. Mm -hmm. So how are you contributing to those goals for the company? And I love the whole dreaming part because it's also about um, what are people dreaming about? Right, whether they're dreaming about getting this done in a certain way, this goal, or they might even have a personal developmental goal. Yep. And I when I say it's inclusivity in action, it's that a leader is just inspiring confidence in their people mm -hmm. that they wanna hear and see all of it. Yeah. Right, from their people. And then I I love the love and tough love. Love meaning, you know, appreciation and acknowledgement and seeing and hearing people goes a long way yes right and the tough love does as well yes i think one of the kindest things to do for people is to be clear and to be frank and truthful in feedback and so so that they know what they can be doing differently and i think when i listen to the tough love you gotta have that too yes so people can learn well right you you can't just have all yes people around you Right. Absolutely. You, you Although I just said absolutely to you. <laughs> <laughs> well, you could be my yes person. Um, uh, the you you need to you, you need a feedback loop that's going to give you honest criticism, right? And honest appreciation, uh, because if you're not if you're not getting if you if you're only getting the yay you're doing really good. Yeah but not the, hey, watch out here, right? You're not gonna grow. That's right. And so you, it, however you wanna call it, love, tough love, appreciation, criticism, it, 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 it's two sides of the same coin. That's right. Um, and we need to be able to welcome it. But also I, I think one of the things that I struggled early on uh, in, in my career in my life and probably people will laugh when they hear me say this is that I actually struggled with um, recognition 
right, with people saying you're doing really good. Oh, you, you mean know, you ex being accepting, accepting or receiving. receiving? Okay, receiving the recognition. Receiving it, yeah. Right. Um, I struggled with that uh, because it was like, no, like I just want to do the work, right? And I have come to terms with that. You also have to be willing to receive the recognition of the work yeah. that you have done um, so that you can model the way for others. That's right. Um, and that's part of being a leader is being willing and accepting of the title. Uh, that's right. You know, and so that took a little bit in me uh, early on. But and, and so that was definitely something when I when I think about also, why do I sit in this chair? Right. I want to make sure that I'm not just making room for others at the table. I am making sure that their voice is heard at the table. Yes. Amazing. Let's move on to just a couple quick hits on loving our community. Yes. And loving our planet. Anything that we should highlight? Well, I think uh, so. Some really good work that's coming out of the UK uh, is around the acts of joy. Um, oh, you, say more about that. I love this actually. Right. Yeah. So, um, where we empower our associates at the cash register that if, you know, they hear it's your birthday today or in the conversation, it sounds like you might be having the yeah. greatest day, they can hit a button on the cash register and it's an act of joy and you do it's the donuts are free and it can be one donut. It could be three dozen donuts. It doesn't matter. We have empowered those folks um, to, to do that. And we've been seeing a lot of great feedback and people just completely appreciative of what we were doing. And, and so t that's yes. one of those loving our community pieces. Uh, also, our fundraising arm, yeah. right, raising over $40 million uh, for different groups around the organization, uh, around, the, around the country and the globe. Um, I think from loving our planet, it's looking at our war on waste. Yeah. Right. You know, um, a lot of so the UK, Australia, Mexico is doing some really good work in that space. Uh, the United States is also doing really good work. But I think there's, you know, there's I hate this expression that we're burning the candle at all ends. But we really yeah. are because there's so many people in the organization who are holding their own candle. Right. It's yeah. not just it's not just one person is holding a candle being burnt in 10 different ways. We all have our own candle that we're that we have lit. Right. And we're working on these different projects um, so that we can move the organization forward. And so to me, I think. Or not, I think I feel and I know that. You are going to see a Krispy Kreme that's just going to constantly be able to. Be on the cutting edge on the leading edge of what it means to love your people, love your communities, and love your planet. Yeah, and it's just so simple at the same time when the strategy is about loving our people, loving our communities, loving our planet. And I know, um, Christine, I can't read the last name, but she's loving the amazing part about the employee empowerment yeah. and the community, which, and uh, for the community, which is this be sweet commitment. Um, but I was going to say, acts of joy, I'm glad that you explained that because it is heartwarming to hear about literally the acts of joy that yes. that the Krispy Kremers, the associates are bringing to their community every day. 
And I think we need more of that in the world. Again, I, I, this is not even nerding out. This is all about peace, love, and community. Yeah. You know, and especially this is a wild year. It's 2024. Major elections are happening in the U.S. and in India. There's also Ajita, you know, in massively. We won't get political or religious, but we know that, right? Yes. People are on edge. Um, and when there's something that you can empower an employee to really literally touch and enhance the lives of others yeah, through the joy that is Krispy Kreme. By it's living our brand. Right? I mean, it's living the brand right, it, right at the moment, right? It, and, and, and I don't this is the first organization that I have worked for and worked with that I can truly say empowers our people to, to live out yeah. the brand. I agree. Right. Um, and so that's, that's powerful in itself. And when you're talking about creating a place where everybody knows that they belong, um, that's how you do it. Right. You, you need to make sure that people, it's not just about belonging, but it's also about empowering people to, we were, what in the conversation we were having with uh, Glenn, uh, the shop manager yes. here in Nashville, um, I, I don't know if you were there because I had gotten there a little earlier. But he, one of the things I asked him is that like, why do you stay at Krispy Kreme? No, I was there when you asked him. And yeah. one of the things he said was that, um, you know, it's the first place that he truly feels that uh, he, it, he can be truly be the owner of his business. Yes. Right, you know, one one of the the twelve leadership mixes principles that we have is think and act like an owner, right? And he's like, this is the first place that I actually feel like I actually can do that, and so to hear our Krispy Kremers on the front lines living our leadership mix, that's right, and truly saying that it's not just words on a piece of paper, right? But it's actually living out in principle, uh, is is really impactful for me and, and really inspiring. Yeah, I I think it was interesting hearing every Krispy Kramer in Nashville at the Thompson Lane shop really talk about their why. Yes. And I mean, there's a lot of heritage too in that many of these Krispy Kramers, and it's unusual because I've worked in a lot of different consumer facing companies where they're commuting long ways to get to their work, of, you know, their place of employment. And many of them were like, well, yeah, I just grew up down the street and I know everyone in this community. So this whole representative of the community, you know, I, I think it was Anthony who I met who was kind of serving donuts to people. And he goes, this is why I do it. He's like, I've been here now for almost five years. I, I He made a complete change from his job. And he's like, I can work at Krispy Kreme. I used to come here when this place had a counter. And he said, I just love it because people love donuts and I love serving people. Yeah. And I know all the people because they all grew up around here, which is wild. It is wild. And it's hard to find that. And one thing, too, as I listen to you, and it's a reminder of like when I first actually met you in person, I knew you were joining the company. Um, and during National Donut Day. Yes, in New York. In New York at the NASDAQ. Um the Krispy Kremers had the chance to go ring the closing bell. Yes, that was awesome. And so I've had that opportunity with other brands to go ring the opening or the closing bell in New York with the other leaders. 
But I think what was unique about the Krispy Kreme on National Donut Day bell ringing, it, the Krispy Kremers encompassed their family. Yes. So the CEO showing up with his daughter, um, other leaders showing up with their families, board members invited, bringing their, I mean, that's unusual. Yes. Right. And it says a lot about, again, the love for our people, the love for our communities, um, to experience that was actually pretty amazing too. Yeah, it was. It, that was my end of week three. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> uh, it, so yeah, it it that that was it was really impressive to see that. Uh, the other thing that I from that day probably the memory that that sticks with me the most. There's two actually. One is getting to stand at the sampling window for three hours oh, and yes. just giving people donuts. Right, handing out an original OG. Oh yeah, Times Square. In Times Square, um, and just seeing yeah. their faces light up, right, and the smiles. Um, and then the other memory uh, that will always live with me is seeing my face on the jumbotron. Right, we we were taking, you know, we yeah. we taking the pictures, and I was prepared for the HR group, right, because yeah, I yeah, knew yeah. I was in that. I did not know that they took a a single shot of me, um, and so when they were showing the the pictures. I saw the HR one. I took a shot of it yeah. and sent it to my mom. And my mom said, oh, that's that's the, the biggest your head is ever going to be. <laughs> and then like but, 10 seconds later. But wait, there's more. Right. Mine popped. My solo photo came up. I snapped it and I said, you spoke too soon. Um, so. By the way, that is also a company choice to do that. Yes. Typically, it's just a big group shot. You've got everybody clapping, the confetti coming down. That's it. Right. At least. As I have experienced it. Yeah. And that at Krispy Kreme, you know, um, the I, the investor relations leader coordinated in a way, I'm sure, with the leadership team that it was not only, okay, let's get all the groups together and subgroups, but as individuals, get up there. Yes. You know, that's huge. And that's recognition and inclusiveness. Yes. Again, inclusivity um, in practice, in yes. action. Absolutely. Pretty amazing. So that it's just a fun memory because I, I remember you were joining and then here we were. And it was just, again, it, a great example of the joy. Yes. That is Krispy Kreme. Um, I know we've only got a few minutes left. And I always love asking this question because this is a culture cast. And yep. we've been talking about all things Krispy Kreme culture. But I also want to talk about pop culture and okay. like your take. So, you know. What are you loving these days? And what I mean by that, um, and I, I want you to talk about Paris too, Paris Krispy Kreme. But so I, I want you to just mention that, which is also, I've seen the pictures. I wish I was there. The Krispy Kreme opening, the first one ever in Paris. Yes. Um, let's talk about that. And then things that you love, like what are you reading these days and or listening to and or watching? Um, what are you wearing? You know, and what's like kind of your favorite thing to do? Uh, well, so I'll let me just touch on uh, Krispy Kreme Paris. Yes, amazing store, amazing leadership. Um, we went there. Uh, I think it was like our second night that we were in Paris. So I took my family. So my husband and I. We have two boys. Um, we took them on a family vacation to Paris and Rome. Uh, over New Year's, so we did. Uh, we were on the Champs-Élysées for New Year's Eve. Nice. Oh my God, what an experience! Um, uh, but uh, you know, just it was really awesome to see 
the Krispy Kreme experience carrying out in a brand new country, right? And um, donuts of all things in Paris. Paris, right? I mean, you're competing <laughs> right. with the croissant, right? right. Um, I mean, and you should have seen the advertisements in the subway, right? There were just, I mean, they had billboards in the subways, and one, it they, uh, it looked like you, they took a bite out of a donut that made it look like a croissant, and it was like, you know. Uh, I think I'm paraphrasing here, but the translation is like croissant, we're coming for you or something yeah. like that. It yeah, was just, croissant, it was, we are coming for you. Right. Um, the, the wait was an hour and a half long. Yeah, I read too, like, of course, in all the press when it opened, a mile long. Literally, yep. it, the line was a mile long. Yes. Or how many and, kilometers and it, in a mile? Yeah. It was, and it was still, I mean, so what we were there on, so it opened on the 5th of December we were there on the 28th 29th 29th I think that's the day that we were there the and the line was still an hour and a half long to get into the store to be able to buy donuts it was just it was impressive um what what in pop culture yeah um so uh I I'm a huge fan of Bridgerton um, okay so actually last so normally when I'm when I'm home my husband plays the white noise music yeah um it's normally thunderstorm and it was too quiet in the hotel room um and so it was so i put on um the bridgerton soundtrack oh okay uh, on spotify nice. um because uh, it's like it's that mix of classical music yeah. but pop right if if you're fans of bridgerton or not if you listen to the music you can actually it's cl the classical version of pop songs yeah that are being played um i uh I've been doing a lot of reading. Uh, so I, I mentioned the book uh, by Lily Zhang, um, Reconstructing DEI. Okay. It's really not a book. It's a workbook. Um, it's a book that is making you go through exercises and really challenging to your core um, of who you are as, a, as an individual and as a DEI practitioner. Um, I'm posting my own learnings oh, as i'm okay. going through so there's two or three posts now that oh, i've I'll made on linkedin okay. on linkedin and so i'm, I'm going to be doing that along the way because i feel like it's a way for me to share and help others yeah. learn themselves um i you know i'm i will always turn on a good madonna song yes. um lady gaga uh i Modern what am i wearing madonna. <laughs> this is a combination of Duluth Trading Post, Cabela's. Uh, oh, you know, I'm I'm still a farmer. Still a farmer. Yeah. Still a farmer. At root. Wow. At root. Um, if I wasn't in my job that I'm doing now, uh, I would be working a farm. Oh my gosh. That's like. My and, dream is to get back to that. But I think you'll probably end up landing a farm with your husband and figuring that out for whatever that next chapter is at some point. Yes. But I'm realizing we're at the top of the hour. How can people get a hold of you, Christopher? What is the best way? LinkedIn uh, is okay. the best way. You know, find me on LinkedIn. Happy to connect with folks. Um, there is going to be the easiest okay. way. Uh, and we'll kind of take it from there. Yeah, I think your full last name is also on LinkedIn, right? Yeah, Bailon so... Van Sandwick. Yeah, right? Yep, yep. Christopher Bailon Von Sandwick. Okay, Von Sandwick. Um, so that's how you can find Christopher. Yes. Um, I know we're at the top of the hour. I want to thank everyone for joining the 250-plus people 
who are your fan club, which is amazing. Um, and I'm actually going to close with, we've got a couple of interesting culture casts coming up next month, which I can say more about when I can. I guess that's what I'm going to say. Um, <laughs> uh, there's a massive event, which I think you are going to be part of, which we'll talk about later next month in Washington, D.C. Yes. So that will be kind of the next site of my culture casts. And I'll just have one cultural comment, cultural comment I want to make. What I'm reading or what I've read lately is this book called Form Your Own Pack, Ooh. which is what a forgotten Japanese model teaches about the power of cooperation by Michael Davilano, who also happens to be my husband. So if you haven't picked this up yet, here's the book. And especially for all of us who are around creating cultures of thriving, imagine what cooperation does. Yes. Right? And when you co-create with functions across the organization, companies with companies, and what outcomes you can create. So pick that up, Form Your Own Pack by Michael Davilano. And thank you so much, Christopher. I thank really you. do heart you. I love that we've been able to talk about how the vision, I guess, for Krispy Kreme is to become the most loved sweet treat brand in the yep. world. Um, I hope you all feel that too. Yes. And until next time, Happy New Year, everyone. Happy Good to New see Year. you. I know what my evening